I want to welcome those of you who are watching online today. Thank you for joining us for our live stream. We're in the second to last message in the book of Ecclesiastes today. And uh, it's been a great series as we've been blessed to learn from Solomon's wisdom. Today, as we come to the end of our series, we find Solomon at the end of his life. And he's reflecting back on everything that he had experienced, thinking through what are the the final words of counsel he wants to share as he faces his impending death. And you know, it's interesting when you come to the end of your life and you think about what really matters most. I've had the opportunity to visit dozens of people at the end of their days, people on hospice care who know that the end is soon approaching. And it's interesting, those conversations, visiting those folks, all tend to go the same way. Common themes tend to come up. It's interesting, most people, as they face the end of the day, their days, they're not so much worried about how much money they had in their bank account. They're not so much concerned that they never got that fancy car that they always hoped for. They don't even worry about the vacations that they never took or the the bucket list items that they didn't cross off. Those are things that I've never heard people talk about as they face the end of their days. But what keeps coming up over and over when you talk to people approaching the end of their life are themes like keep God first, live for Christ, put him number one in your life, love your family, cherish your spouse, love your kids. These are the values, these are the priorities that you hear over and over again from people as they face the end of their days. I remember when I visited my grandpa, you know, you talk about Solomon and his wisdom. The wisest person I ever knew was my grandpa Krause. I shared some about him earlier in our series. We showed those pictures of his business, his lumber yard and hardware store, his construction company. And we talked about how all of life is vanity. He used to have his name featured in bold red letters across the front of his business. And today it's just an empty building, an empty shell. But my grandpa Krause, he lived for eternal priorities. He was a man of God. He loved Jesus. And I remember when I visited him in in the hospital, he died of stomach cancer. The last two weeks of his life were were brutally painful. And in every conversation I had with my grandpa as he faced the end of his days, were to keep Christ first, to love my family, to honor the Lord, I remember the last words my grandpa said to me in my final visit. He said, Jason, stay in the word. Stay in the word. That was his final priority for me as a young man. Jason, stay rooted and grounded in God's truth because it's a sure and steady source of guidance in life. Today we find Solomon at the end of his life. And Solomon wants to leave us today with his parting wisdom. You may recall Solomon lived a very interesting life. Here was this man who was blessed by God with the greatest wisdom of anyone who ever lived. And yet for all of his wisdom, Solomon spent the majority of his life not following the Lord, but rebelling against God and pursuing pleasure and joy in all of the things that the world 
says leads to life and life to the full. And so Solomon pursued all of these things, money and material possessions and sensuality. And Solomon, after pursuing all of the world had to offer in search of joy, Solomon came to the conclusion that it was all vanity. It was all a mist, a breath, a vapor. It was meaningless. Here today, gone tomorrow. And Solomon, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, has consistently come back to point us to Jesus, to point us to our Creator God as the source of our hope and true joy in life. And here today, Solomon's going to continue to echo these themes. As he brings his book to a close, he wants to encourage us once more to make the most of our days under the sun by living our lives in light of the true and godly wisdom that God had given Solomon, wisdom that he wants to impart to us. Today, we're going to look at some of Solomon's final words. He's going to share with us today how to make the most of our days under the sun. He has three words of wisdom for us today that I want to share and highlight from our passage today found in Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. The the first of these pieces of wisdom that Solomon wants to share as he wraps up the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, Solomon tells us to employ prudence, to employ prudence in our lives. Let me read chapter 11, verses 1 through 2 for us. Solomon says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. Now, some of you hearing these words might be thinking, what on earth is Solomon talking about? This is his parting wisdom? Cast your bread upon the waters? What? Friends, have you ever cast bread upon the waters? What happens to it? You ever gone out to feed the ducks or feed the fish? What happens to that bread? It sinks, right? It breaks apart, dissolves, and it's gone. Solomon says, cast your bread upon the waters, for it will return after many days. So what's he talking about here? Well, friends, there's a clue for us in another description of Solomon's life found in 1 Kings chapter 10. In 1 Kings chapter 10, we find that Solomon had a fleet of sailing ships. For the king, Solomon had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Friends, Solomon had it all. I mean, can you imagine? He's got a whole zoo full of apes. (laughs) Thus the king excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. I told you, friends, he pursued it all. Man, if you can't find joy in apes and peacocks. (laughs) But Solomon discovered even they were vanity. But Solomon here, in Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2, what he's talking about is a call to prudent industry. See, Solomon understood what it was to participate in commerce, in trade. He had international trade going on all over the world through his sailing vessels that he would send out from Israel throughout the ends of the earth, bringing back gold and silver and all these precious commodities. And so what Solomon is talking about here is like the old maxim, nothing ventured, nothing gained. 
See, Solomon understood that for a businessman, sometimes you have to take risks. Sometimes you have to step out in faith. Sometimes you have to cast your bread upon the waters in order to receive a return. And not only that, but he says in verse 2, give a portion to seven or even eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. What's Solomon talking about here? He's talking about diversifying your investments. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Look at if you're going to send a fleet of ships out, don't put all your goods in one ship. Spread them out between seven or even eight because if one ship sinks, you're still going to have seven to go out and return with a reward. Now, this is good practical advice. Some of you guys who are businessmen, some of you businesswomen here, you're shaking your heads thinking, wow, that's good. I'm going to take that to work and apply that tomorrow. But some of you are thinking, what on earth does this have to do with me? I mean, I came to church looking for spiritual truth. I'm hoping to grow in Christ this morning. What, what, what does Solomon's guidance have to say to us today? Friends, understand there's a good spiritual principle for us to embrace here today. You see, as followers of Christ, we can apply Solomon's counsel to employ prudence not only in financial matters, but also in our efforts at advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Solomon says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And it's the same thing when it comes to our call as Christians to take the good news of Jesus into the world. If we don't venture out for the sake of the gospel, if we don't reach out to our neighbors or our friends or our co-workers, friends, you're never going to receive a return on that. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Philip Ryken, in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, he says this, God invites us to be venture capitalists for the kingdom of God. I love that image. God wants us to be venture capitalists. Go out, diversify your investments, invest in the kingdom because you will reap a reward. Friends, this is why we do what we do here at Lakes Free. This is why we have a variety of ministries. This is why we host apologetics conferences and vacation Bible school and J316 soccer camps and family ministry conferences and why we did trunk or treat this past week. What are we doing, friends? We're casting our bread upon the waters. We're diversifying our investments for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's why we do all this stuff. It's about investing in the kingdom and his purposes. Now, friends, here's the thing. I've had people the last couple years, every year, I have a family or two that questions, Jason, why are you promoting Halloween at church? We shouldn't be promoting Halloween at church. Let me tell you something, friends. Trunk or treat, we're not promoting Halloween. I could give a rip about Halloween. What are we doing? We're casting bread out on the water for the sake of the kingdom. We had 2,000 people come through our parking lot on Thursday night. We had a Gideon, a car of Gideons that passed out over 150 New Testaments. We had other cars passing out gospel tracts. Over 1,500 gospel tracts were passed out. What is that about? It's about casting our bread out on the waters to make an investment in the kingdom and hope and pray for a return on that investment. It's not about celebrating Halloween. I don't care about Halloween. But you tell me if I can get 2,000 people at our church from our community and give them each a gospel track or a New Testament, man, I will take that opportunity every day of the week and Sunday. You know what I'm saying? 
Because that's what it's all about. That's why God put us here. We're here to advance the good news of Jesus Christ. Solomon says, secondly, this morning, exercise diligence. Now, the second point is, is closely related to his first. In verses 3 through 6, Solomon goes on. He says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What is Solomon talking about here? He's talking about the farmer, the farmer who is so risk-averse that he's always procrastinating, he's watching the weather, he's watching the changing seasons, always hoping for better skies, always hoping for better uh, opportunities. And what does he do? He never gets around to doing anything. Solomon says, look it, if you don't sow, you're never going to reap. All right? You can't be so risk-averse that you never take any chances. Solomon says life is going to be full of situations that are out out of our control. But we can't let these situations paralyze us and keep us from doing something. And the same holds true for us, friends, when it comes to our call to advance the gospel. Okay, this isn't just good financial advice. It's also great counsel for us to consider as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is, friends, you will never reap if you do not sow. You will never reap the fruit of the harvest of the gospel if you don't go out and sow the seeds of the gospel. This is a principle that Jesus himself taught. You may remember that parable in Matthew 25 where the manager left his servants in charge of some of his money while he went on a trip. The master gave one servant five talents. He gave another servant two talents. He gave another servant one talent. Then the master went away. And what did those servants do? Well, the servant who had five talents, he went out and he invested his talents. The servant who had two talents, he went out, he invested his talents. They both got a return on the money they invested. The other servant who got one talent, what did he do? Matthew 25 goes on to tell us. He didn't invest it. He went, dug it in a hole, buried it in the ground, and then the master comes back, and the master says, you wicked servant. I mean, if you would have even just put it in the bank, at least I would have gotten interest on it. And what is Jesus' point? Jesus' point is that as his followers, we have been entrusted with an incredible treasure, the treasure of the gospel. And he calls us to go out and invest that treasure, to make an effort sowing seeds of the gospel so that we might reap a kingdom harvest. And understand this, friends. God will never fail to deliver a return on an investment for the gospel. Okay? We might not always see the fruit right away, but God never fails to deliver a return when his people step out in faith and live for the cause of the gospel. Look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Friends, God says his word never returns empty. Okay, We might not always see the fruit of our labors, 
as we scatter those gospel seeds. But God promises his word always bears fruit, even when we don't see it. So our challenge, our calling is to just simply be faithful. God calls us here to be faithful in spreading the good news of the gospel. Solomon goes on in verse 5, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Now, this is an important verse, friends. I want to take a a quick moment to pause here on this verse, and and we're going to break out of the context of Solomon's teaching here for a second because there's an important insight here that we need to see this morning. Solomon says, In the same way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child... Friends, understand what Solomon's saying there. That baby inside the womb is no clump of cells. It's no massive goo. It's a living spirit. It's a child. It's a human person. This is a verse that our culture would do well to take note of this morning. Why has the church been consistently pro-life for 2,000 years? It's because God's revealed truth tells us that the baby in the womb is a living soul, a human person. Now, that's not Solomon's point here in this passage, but it's an important point because our culture is vastly confused on that. But Solomon's point here is simply this. We don't always understand God's ways. We know a lot about pregnancy today, friends. We know how the egg is fertilized. We know how it's implanted in the womb. We have ultrasound that can watch that baby develop in the mother's womb. We know all kinds of things through our modern-day technology, but we don't know how the Spirit comes to the bones of that child in the womb. That's a mystery of the Lord, a mystery of God. And Solomon is telling us here in the same way that we don't always understand how God works in this world, We still need to trust him. We still need to obey. And he goes on to make this point in verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike will be good. What is Solomon saying here? He's saying again, you're never going to reap if you don't sow. So sometimes you need to step out in faith, you need to work hard, you need to trust God, and just like that's true in business, it's true spiritually. It's true of our calling as ambassadors of Jesus to go out and sow seed for the gospel, believing the promise of Isaiah 55 that God will be faithful. His word will never return empty. We may not see the fruit immediately, but there will always be fruit when his people are faithful in spreading the seed of the gospel. You guys may remember a couple years ago, I invited my friend Mickey Walker to come and share with us one Sunday morning. Sunday after VBS, which is why the stage was all decorated all funny like that. But Mickey Walker, he's a street preacher with Operation Mobilization. He preaches on street corners over in Dublin, Ireland, and all over Europe. And he uses these little sketchboard drawings. He he paints these pictures to share the gospel story with people. Mickey was telling me recently a story of a young man from Saudi Arabia, a Muslim man, who a couple of years ago stopped and listened to Mickey talk and draw his sketch paintings for a half hour. After watching Mickey's presentation of the gospel, Mickey gave him a gospel track, and and this young man just kind of took it and ignored him and walked away. You want to know what happened just recently? Just recently, that young man showed up on Mickey's street corner in Dublin, Ireland. And he came up to Mickey and he said, Excuse me, sir, you probably don't remember me. But two years ago, I stood here and watched your presentation. 
and you gave me a little booklet. And I took that booklet and I walked away and I didn't bother reading it. But sir, you need to know what's happened to me in the last two years. See, this Muslim man went on to explain that he started having dreams and Jesus was appearing to him in his dreams. And Jesus told him, you need to read that booklet you were given by that man in Ireland. And so this Muslim man picked up this booklet and he read the message of the gospel. And then he went out and he got a copy of the New Testament and he started reading through the gospels and he ended up putting his faith in Jesus as his Savior and Lord. See, God says his word will never return empty. When God's people step out in faith, when we sow our gospel seed and trust God for the growth, God is always faithful. Solomon goes on in our passage this morning, thirdly, to tell us, embrace joy. Embrace joy. In chapter 11, verses 7 through 12, verse 8, Solomon goes on and he says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird. And all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. You know, I read these words and it reminds me of a saying by another famous man, one of the wisest men of my generation, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Friends, King Solomon is telling us here to recognize the vanity of our days, how quickly life flies by. And Solomon wants to encourage us to embrace God's truth and to live for him in the limited time that we're given. Solomon makes four key points here in this last passage. He says, number one, remember that all our days are a gift from God. Solomon opens this final section of our study by calling us to rejoice in the blessings of life. Even though we know that our days are vanity and will often be filled with many troubles. You see, for the person who embraces joy by trusting in our Creator and His plans for us, each new day from the Lord can be embraced as a gift. 
See, friends, Solomon is calling us here to embrace an attitude of gratitude. Today is Persecuted Church Sunday. I've had the opportunity to travel to over 30 countries, and in many of these places I visited brothers and sisters in Christ who live in very difficult circumstances. I remember 10 years ago being on the border of North Korea working with an underground mission group training Korean refugees who had escaped from North Korea who were now intent on learning the gospel so that they could sneak back into North Korea and share the good news of Jesus with others. I remember one middle-aged couple who I met who were just overflowing with joy because of what they had found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They still had scars on their wrists from where they were chained in the labor camps. They knew that their family had likely all been killed as a result of their fleeing North Korea. And yet they abounded with great joy because their hope was in Christ. Last week we looked at Psalm 118.24 where we read, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, that's what it means to have an attitude of gratitude, to rejoice each and every day because of what we have in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you something. You might not have anything by the world's standards, but if you have Jesus, you have everything. Rejoice in the Lord always. Secondly, Solomon tells us here in this concluding passage, enjoy life to the full while you are young and strong. Now, here in verse 9, Solomon speaks to the young people here today. All right? I want you to pay attention, you guys. All right? High schoolers, college kids here this morning, pay attention to this. Not just our young people, but I think all of us who have hit middle-aged or older would nod our heads in agreement with Solomon's counsel here. Look what Solomon says in verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. What a joy to be young. But what a vanity at the same time. Our days go by so quickly. To be young and strong, to be free to dream with limitless possibilities in front of you, to not have the cares that come with adult responsibilities. Young people, Solomon says, enjoy these days. Because while it's hard for you to believe right now, they're going to go by like the blink of an eye. This past Tuesday night, I was at a tennis banquet for my daughter, Addie. It was her first year playing tennis at Chisago Lakes. And it was awesome being a part of this banquet and seeing all these young ladies, especially some of the older girls in their junior and senior year, looking back on their memories of playing and being a part of the team over all these years, they showed a slideshow that evening, highlighting pictures from the season. And it was just awesome seeing the the joy and life and thrill of the challenge of competing on the faces of these girls. And as I watched that slideshow, it was set to a song by the country music star, Scotty McReary. It's a song called Five More Minutes. And in this song, McCreary writes about all those moments in life where he wished he had just five more minutes. Fishing with his buddy as a kid, his last football game in high school, his final conversation with his grandpa. I wish I had five more minutes. 
And I remember sitting there that night watching that slideshow, thinking about all those young ladies. Coach Erickson, I wanted to stand up and preach King Solomon to them. Enjoy these days. Make the most of these days. Cherish these days because they're going to go by so fast. And one day you're going to find yourself 44 years old and you're going to look back and you're going to wonder where did the time go. And you're going to long for five more minutes. So I'm going to encourage you today, young people, heed Solomon's wisdom. Embrace life. Pursue joy. Follow the dreams of your heart and chase the desires of your eyes. But you also need to remember we have a righteous judge who will hold us accountable for all we do. So don't waste your youth. Live your life in line with God's will for our lives. Stay in the word, as my grandpa Krauss encouraged me. Don't get derailed by the lies of the enemy and the empty promises of this world. I tell you what, I've seen so many young people get derailed by the lies of this world. I think of so many friends of mine from high school who had so much promise and they ended up wasting their life following the lies of the enemy. Stay in the word, stay close to the Lord. I promise you, you will never regret living for Jesus. Thirdly, Solomon goes on in verse 10. He tells us, turn to God in your struggles. Here in verse 10, Solomon goes on to counsel the young people among us today once again. Verse 10, he says, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. What is this vexation that Solomon says we should remove? Vexation is simply anxiety and frustration and anger. Solomon says, remove these things from your heart. Put away pain from your body because your youth is vanity. It goes by so quickly. Solomon says, don't let the cares of this world rob you of your joy. And friends, this isn't just good counsel for the young people here today. It's counsel that all of us would do well to remember. So how do we do this? How do we remove vexation from our hearts and pain from our bodies? Well, let me give you two suggestions this morning. Number one, count your blessings. Count your blessings. Friends, you want to banish your burdens today? Then count your blessings. Think of all the many things that we have to be thankful for. And friends, there are many. If you'll just stop and think. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Some people read those words and they say, What does Paul know? He doesn't know about the struggles I have in my life. Friends, the Apostle Paul wrote those words from a prison cell in Rome. Yeah, he knew all about struggles. But he also knew that when you count your blessings, your burdens will quickly, quickly diminish. Rejoice in the Lord always. Secondly, this morning, take your troubles to God. You want to remove pain from your body, vexation from your heart? Take your troubles to God. Friends, did you know that there's a pain reliever that works even better than bear? It's called prayer. And in the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul goes on, Stephen's laughing at me. You love it. You love it. It's so good. (laughs) Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, that's the key to removing that vexation from your heart and that pain from your body. Take your cares to the Lord, and he promises he'll be faithful. Fourthly, this morning, Solomon's last counsel for us here in this passage is to live our lives in light of eternity because our days are vanity. And here in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8, Solomon has some final counsel for the young people with us today. But it's counsel that most of our older folks will likely appreciate the most. In chapter 12, verse 1, Solomon says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, or the painful days, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Solomon says, Choose to follow and honor and trust your Creator today because life is going to get hard and difficult days are coming. I've had the privilege of counseling dozens of couples in premarital counseling. One of the things I will tell every young couple who I'm counseling before their marriage is I will say, make the commitment today to honor God in your marriage. Make the commitment today to keep Jesus first in your relationship. Make the commitment today to live for Christ as a family because I will tell you, if you don't make that a priority in your life today, life is quickly going to get away from you. And difficult days are going to come. Painful days are going to come. And when those days come, you're going to want a sure and steady foundation to stand on. And that's why Solomon says, remember your creator while you are young before the painful days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Keep God first. Put him at the center because difficult days will come in this life. See, friends, the Bible is realistic about the reality of aging, life and death, but it's not fatalistic about these things. To highlight this point, Solomon goes on to share this incredible poem in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 2 through 8. I don't have time to break it all down for you this morning, but I'd encourage you to spend some time reading this poem later today. Meditate on this poem today because there's incredible truth in it. Some see in this poem an allegorical representation of the human body as we age. The keepers of the house start to tremble. The strong man is bent over. The grinders cease because you start losing your teeth. You become afraid of heights and desire fails. Solomon didn't have that little blue pill. And as our bodies age, they start wearing out and they stop working and we soon come to the end of our days and we return to the dust from which we came. And so Solomon challenges us in light of this reality to live our lives in light of eternity, to put God first, to remember our Creator in the days of our youth, to live for God in His eternal purposes. The Apostle Paul echoes this in Philippians 1.21 where he tells us the ultimate purpose in our life. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, for those of us who know Jesus, we don't fear the grave. Our bodies may return to the dust, but Solomon says our spirit will return to God. 
And so for those of us who know Jesus Christ, we know that the grave is not our ultimate end, but we have an eternal home in heaven. But at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, what am I living for today? What are my priorities today? Where am I investing my life today? Am I living for kingdom purposes? Can can I say with the Apostle Paul that to live is Christ and his priorities and his goals and his purposes? Friends, that's our calling, to live in light of eternity. You want to embrace joy? Live for Christ. You'll never regret it. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom of King Solomon. And we know ultimately that it's not Solomon's wisdom, it's your wisdom. Holy Spirit-inspired wisdom for us to live by. And so, Lord, we take these truths today and we ask that your Holy Spirit would impress them deep upon our hearts, that we would all examine our priorities in our lives today, and that we might echo Solomon and the Apostle Paul and all of those faithful saints who have gone before us who would say to live is Christ and to die is gain. God, help us to live with your eternal priorities in view. May we live to honor you. May we live to serve you. And may we experience the life to the full that is found in walking faithfully with you. God, I pray, I pray that for my church here that they would all know true joy, walking in life with their Creator, living for your eternal purposes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your faithfulness. And we thank you for these words from Solomon. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please rise for our benediction? If any of you would like prayer this morning, some of our elders and Stephen ministers will be here at the front of the stage, and we would love to pray with you. I leave you now with these words from Hebrews 13. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends.